Section 8 of Inquiries into Human Faculty by Francis Galton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Leon Harvey. Chapter 29. History of Twins. The exceedingly close resemblance attributed to twins has been the subject of many novels and plays, and most persons have felt a desire to know upon what basis of truth those works of fiction may rest. But twins have a special claim upon our attention. It is that their history affords means of distinguishing between the effects of tendencies received at birth and those that were imposed by the special circumstances of their afterlives. The objection to statistical evidence in proof of the inheritance of peculiar faculties has always been the persons whom you compare may have lived under similar social conditions and have had similar advantages of education but such prominent conditions are only a small part of those that determine the future of each man's life it is to trifling accidental circumstances that the bent of his disposition and his success and these you leave wholly out of account in fact they do not admit of being tabulated and therefore your statistics however plausible at first sight are really of very little use no method of inquiry which i had previously been able to carry out and i have tried many methods is wholly free from this objection i have therefore attacked the problem from the opposite side seeking for some new method by which it would be possible to weigh in just scales the effect of nature and nurture and to ascertain their respective shares in framing the disposition and intellectual ability of men the life history of twins supplies what i wanted we may begin by inquiring about twins who were closely alike in boyhood and youth and who were educated together for many years and learned whether they subsequently grew unlike and if so but the main causes were which in the opinion of the family produced the dissimilarity in this way we can obtain direct evidence of the kind we want again we may obtain yet more valuable evidence by a converse method we can inquire into the history of twins who were exceedingly unlike in childhood and learn how far their characters became assimilated under the influence of identical nature is as much as they had the same home the same teachers the same associates and in every other respect the same surroundings my materials were obtained by sending circulars of inquiry to persons who were either twins themselves or near relations of twins the printed questions were in thirteen groups the last of them asked for the addresses of other twins known to the recipient who might be likely to respond if i wrote to them this happily led to a continually widening circle of correspondence which i pursued until enough material was accumulated for a general reconnaissance of the subject there is a large literature relating to twins in their purely surgical and physiological aspect the reader interested in this should consult Dailer von der Zwillingen, von l kleinwacher prague eighteen seventy one it is full of references and it is also unhappily disfigured by a number of numerical misprints especially in page twenty six i have not found any book that treats of twins from my present point of view the reader will easily understand that the word twins is a vague expression which covers two very dissimilar events the one corresponding to the progeny of animals that usually bear more than one at a birth each of the progeny being derived from a separate ovum while the other event is due to the development of two germinal spots in the same ovum in the later case they are enveloped in the same membrane and all such twins are found invariably to be of the same sex the consequence of this is that i find a curious discontinuity in my results one would have expected that twins would commonly be found to possess a certain average likeness to one another that a few would greatly exceed the average likeness 
and a few would greatly fall short of it but this is not at all the case extreme similarity and extreme dissimilarity between twins of the same sex are nearly as common as moderate resemblance when the twins are a boy and a girl they are never closely alike in fact their origin is never due to the development of two germinal spots in the same ovum i received about eighty returns of cases of close dissimilarity thirty-five of which entered into many instructive details in a few of these not a single point of difference could be specified in the remainder the colour of the hair and the eyes were almost always identical the height weight and strength were nearly so nevertheless i have a few cases of a notable difference in height weight and strength although the resemblance was otherwise very near the manner and personal address of the thirty-five pairs of twins are usually described as very similar but accompanied by a slight difference of expression familiar to near relatives though unperceived by strangers the intonation of the voice when speaking is commonly the same but it frequently happens that the twins sing in different keys most singularly the one point at which similarity is rare is the handwriting i cannot account for this considering how strongly handwriting runs in families but i am sure of the fact i have only one case in which nobody not even the twins themselves could distinguish their own notes of lectures etc barely two or three of which the handwriting was undistinguishable by others and only a few in which it was described as closely alike on the other hand i have many in which it is stated to be unlike and some in which it is alluded to as the only point of difference it would appear that the handwriting is a very delicate test of difference in organization a conclusion which i commend to the notice of enthusiasts in the art of discovering character by the handwriting one of my inquiries was for anecdotes regarding mistakes made between the twins by their near relatives the replies are numerous but not very varied in character when the twins are children they are usually distinguished by ribbons tied round the wrist or neck nevertheless the one is sometimes fed physicked and whipped by mistake for the other and the description of these little domestic catastrophes are usually given by the mother in a phraseology that is somewhat touching by reason of its seriousness i have one case in which a doubt remains whether the children were not changed in their bath and the presumed a is not really b and vice versa in another case an artist was engaged on the portraits of twins who were between three and four years of age he had to lay aside his work for three weeks and on resuming it he could not tell to which child the respective likeness he had in hand belonged the mistakes become less numerous on the part of the mother during the boyhood and girlhood of the twins but are almost as frequent as before on the part of strangers i have many instances of tutors being unable to distinguish their twin pupils two girls used regularly to impose on their music teacher when one of them wanted a whole holiday they had their lessons at separate hours and the other girl sacrificed herself to receive two lessons on the same day while the other one enjoyed herself from morning to evening here is a brief and comprehensive account exactly alike in all their schoolmasters never could tell them apart at dancing parties they constantly changed partners without discovery their close resemblance is scarcely diminished by age the following is a typical schoolboy anecdote two twins were fond of playing tricks and complaints were frequently made but the boys would never own which one was the guilty one and the complaints were never certain which of the two he was the headmaster used to say he would never flog the innocent for the guilty and another used to flog both no doubt the nine anecdotes have reached me of a twin seeing his or her reflection in a looking-glass and dressing it in the belief that it was the other twin in person i have many anecdotes of mistakes when the twins were nearly grown up thus assuming scenes occurred at college when one twin came to visit the other the porter on one occasion refusing to let the visitor out of the college gates for though they stood side by side he professed ignorance as to which he ought to allow to depart children are usually quick in distinguishing between their parent 
and is her twin but i have two cases to the contrary thus a daughter of a twin says such was the marvellous similarity of their features voice manner etc but i remember as a child being very much puzzled and i think that my aunt lived much with us i should have ended by thinking i had two mothers in another case a father who was a twin remarks of himself and his brother we were extremely alike and are so at this moment so much that our children up to five and six did not know us apart i have four or five instances of doubt during an engagement of marriage thus i married first but both twins met the lady together for the first time and fell in love with her there and then a managed to see her home and to gain her affection though b went sometimes courting in his place and neither the lady nor her parents could tell which was which i have also a german letter written in quaint terms about twin brothers who married sisters but could not easily be distinguished by them in the well-known novel by mr wilkie collins of poor miss finch the blind girl distinguishes the twin she loves by the touch of his hand which gives her a thrill that the touch of her other brother does not philosophers have not i believe as yet investigated the conditions of such thrills but i have a case in which miss finch's test would have failed two persons both friends of a certain twin lady told me that she had frequently remarked to them that kissing her twin sister was not like kissing her other sisters but like kissing herself her own hand for example it would be an interesting experiment for twins who were closely alike to try how far dogs could distinguish them by scent i have a few anecdotes of strange mistakes made between twins in adult life thus an officer writes on one occasion when i returned from foreign service my father turned to me and said i thought you were in london thinking i was my brother yet he had not seen me for nearly four years our resemblance was so great the next and last anecdote i shall give is perhaps the most remarkable of those i have it was sent me by the brother of the twins who were in middle life at the time of its occurrence i was again coming home from india on leave the ship did not arrive for some days after it was due the twin brother b had come up from his quarters to receive a and their old mother was very nervous one morning a rushed in saying oh mother how are you her answer was no b it's a bad joke you know how anxious i am and it was a little time before a could persuade her that he was the real man enough has been said to prove that an extremely close personal resemblance frequently exists between twins of the same sex and that although the resemblance usually diminishes as they grow into manhood and womanhood some cases occur in which the diminution of resemblance is highly perceptible it must be borne in mind that it is not necessary to ascribe the divergence of development when it occurs to the effect of different nurtures but it is quite possible that it may be due to the late appearance of qualities inherited at birth though dormant in early life like gout to this i shall recur there is a curious feature in the character of the resemblance between twins which has been alluded to by a few correspondents it is well illustrated by the following quotations a mother of twins says there seemed to be a sort of interchangeable likeness in expression that often gave to each the effect of being more like his brother than himself again two twin brothers writing to me after analysing their points of resemblance which are close and numerous and pointing out certain shades of difference add there seem to have marked us throughout life though for a while when we were first separated the one to go to business and the other to college our respective characters were inverted we both think that at the time we each ran into the character of the other the proof of this consists in our only recollections in our correspondence by letter and the views which we then took of matters in which we were interested 
in explanation of this apparent interchangeableness we must recollect that no character is simple and that in twins who strongly resemble each other every expression in the one may be matched by a corresponding expression in the other but it does not follow that the same expression should be the prevalent one in both cases now it is by their prevalent expressions that we should distinguish between the twins consequently when one twin is temporarily the expression which is the prevalent one in his brother he is apt to be mistaken for him there are also cases where the development of the two twins is not strictly pari passu they reach the same goal at the same time but not by identical stages thus a is born the larger then b overtakes and surpasses a and in his turn overtaken by a the end being that the twins on reaching adult life are of the same size this process would aid in giving an interchangeable likeness at certain periods of their growth and is undoubtedly due to nature more frequently than to nurture among my thirty-five detailed cases of close similarity there are no less than seven in which both twins suffered from some special ailment or had some exceptional peculiarity one twin writes that she and her sister have both the defect of not being able to come downstairs quickly which however was not born with them but came on the age of twenty three pairs of twins have peculiarities in their fingers in one case it consists in a slight congenation flexure of one of the joints of the little finger it was inherited from a grandmother but neither parents nor brothers nor sisters show the least trace of it in another case the twins have a peculiar way of bending the fingers and there was a faint tendency to the same peculiarity in the mother but in her alone of all the family in a third case about which i made a few inquiries which is given by mr darwin but is not included in my returns there was no known family tendency to the peculiarity which was observed in the twins of having a crooked little finger in another pair of twins one was born ruptured and the other became so at six months old two twins at the age of twenty-three were attacked by toothache and the same tooth had to be extracted in each case there are curious and close correspondences mentioned in the falling off of the hair two cases are mentioned of death from the same disease one of which is very affecting the outline of the story was that the twins were closely alike and singularly attached and had identical tastes they both obtained government clerkships and kept house together when one sickened and died of bright's disease and the other also sickened of the same disease and died seven months later both twins were apt to sicken at the same time in no less than nine out of thirty-five cases either their illnesses to which i refer were non-contagious or if contagious the twins caught them simultaneously they did not catch them the one from the other this implies so intimate a constitutional resemblance that it is proper to give some quotations and evidence thus the father of two twins says their general health is closely alike whenever one of them has an illness the other invariably has the same within a day or two and they usually recover in the same order such has been the case with whooping cough chickenpox and measles also with slight bilious attacks which they have successively latterly they had a feverish attack at the same time another parent of twins says if anything ails one of them identical symptoms nearly always appear in the other this has been singularly visible in two instances during the last two months thus when in london one fell ill with a violent attack of dysentery and within twenty-four hours the other had precisely the same symptoms a medical man writes of twins with whom he is well acquainted whilst i knew them for a period of two years there was not the slightest tendency towards a difference in body or mind external influences seemed powerless to produce any dissimilarity the mother of two other twins after describing how they were ill simultaneously up to the age of fifteen adds that they shed their first milk teeth within a few hours of each other Trussell has a remarkable case in the chapter on asthma his important work 
Clinique Medicale, in the edition of 1873. It is in volume 2, page 473. It was quoted at length in the original French in Mr. Darwin's Variation under Domestication, volume 2, page 252. The following is a translation. I attended twin brothers so extraordinarily alike that it was impossible for me to tell which was which without seeing them side by side. But their physical likeness extended still deeper, so to speak, a yet more remarkable pathological. Thus one of them, whom I saw at the Neotherms at Paris, suffered from rheumatic ophthalmia, said to me, At this instant my brother must be having a failure like mine. And as I had exclaimed against such an assertion, he showed me a few days afterwards a letter just received by him from his brother, who was at that time at Vienna, and who expressed himself in these words. I have my ophthalmia. You must be having yours. However singular this story may appear, the fact is none less exact. It has not been told to me by others, but I have seen it myself, and have seen other analogous cases in my practice. These twins were also asthmatic, and asthmatic to a frightful degree. Though born in Marseilles, they were never able to stay in that town, where their business affairs required them to go without having an attack. Still more strange, it was sufficient for them to get away only as far as Toulon in order to be cured of the attack caught at Marseilles. They travelled continually, and, in all countries, on business affairs, and they remarked that certain localities were extremely hurtful to them, and that in others they were free from all asthmatic symptoms. I do not like to pass over here a most dramatic tale in the Psychology Morbide of Dr. J. Moreau, Detours, Medicine de Hospice de Bessetre, Paris, 1859, page 172. He speaks of two twin brothers who have been confined on account of monomania, Bessetre. Physically, the two young men are so nearly alike that the one is easily mistaken for the other. Morally, their resemblance is no less complete and is most remarkable in its details. Thus, the dominant ideas are absolutely the same. They both consider themselves subject to imaginary persecutions. The same enemies have sworn their destruction and employed the same means to effect it. Both have hallucinations of hearing. They are both in melancholy and morose. They never address a word to anybody and will hardly answer the questions that others address to them. They always keep apart and never communicate with one another. An extremely curious fact which has been frequently noted by the superintendents of their section of the hospital and by myself was this from time to time at very irregular intervals of two three or many months without appreciable cause and by the purely spontaneous effect of their illness a very marked change has taken place in the condition of the two brothers both of them at the same time and often on the same day rouse themselves from their habitual stupor and prostration they make the same complaints and they come of their own accord to the physician with an urgent request to be liberated I have seen this strange thing occurring, even when they were some miles apart, the one being at Bicetre, and the other living in St. Anne. I sent a copy of this passage to the principal authorities among the physicians to the insane in England, asking if they had ever witnessed any similar case. In reply, I have received three noteworthy instances, but none to be coin-paired to their exact parallelism with that just given. The details of the three cases are painful and it is not necessary to my general purpose that I should further allude to them. There is another curious French case of insanity in twins, which was pointed out to me by Sir James Paget, described by Dr. Baum in the Annales Medico Physiologiques for Siri, Volume 1, 1863, page 312, of which the following is an abstract. The original contains a few more details, but is too long to quote. François and Martin, fifty years of age, worked as railroad contractors between Quimper and Chatelin. Martin had twice slight attacks of insanity. 
On January 15, a box was robbed in which the twins had deposited their savings. On the night of January 23-24, both Francois, who lodged at Quimper, and Martin, who lived with his wife and children at St. Laurette, two leagues from Quimper, had the same dream at the same hour, 3 a.m., and both awoke with a violent start, calling out, I have caught the thief. I have caught the thief. They are doing mischief to my brother. They were both of them extremely agitated, and gave way to similar extravagances, dancing and leaping. Martin sprang on his, on his grandchild, declaring that he was a thief and would have strangled him if he had not been prevented. He then became steadily worse, complained of violent pains in his head, went out of doors to some excuse, and tried to drown himself in the river steer, but was forcibly stopped by his son, who had watched and followed him. He was then taken to an asylum by gendarmes, where he died in three hours. Francois, on his part, calmed down on the morning of the 24th, and employed the day in inquiring about the robbery. By strange chance, he crossed his brother's path at the moment when the latter was struggling with the gendarmes. Then he himself became maddened, giving way to extravagant gestures and using incoherent language, similar to that of his brother. He then asked to be bled, which was done, and afterwards, declaring himself to be better, went out on the pretext of executing some commission, but really to drown himself in the river steer, which he actually did at the very spot where Martin attempted to do the same thing a few hours previously. The next point I shall mention in illustration of the extremely close resemblance between certain twins is a similarity in the association of their ideas. No less than 11 out of the 35 cases testify to this. They make the same remarks on the same occasion, begin singing the same song at the same moment and so on, or one would commence a sentence and the other would finish it. An observant friend geographically described to me the effect produced on her by two such twins whom she had met casually. She said, their teeth grew alike, they spoke alike and together, and said the same things, and seemed just like one person. One of the most curious anecdotes that I have received concerning this similarity of ideas was the one twin, A, who happened to be at a town in Scotland, bought a set of champagne glasses which caught his attention as a surprise for his brother B at the same time B, being in England, bought a set of precisely the same pattern as a surprise for A. Other anecdotes of a like kind have reached me about these twins. The last point to which I shall allude regards the taste and dispositions of the 35 pairs of twins. In 16 cases, that is, in nearly one half of them, these were described as closely similar. In the remaining 19, they were much alike, but subject to certain name differences. These differences belonged almost wholly to such groups of qualities as these. The one was the more vigorous, fearless, energetic. The other was gentile, clinging, and timid. Or the one was more ardent, and the other more calm and placid. Or again, the one was the more independent, original, and self-contained. The other the more generous, hasty, and vivacious. In short, the difference was that of intensity or energy in one or other of its protein forms. It did not extend more deeply into the structure of the characters. The more vivacious might be subdued by ill health, until he assumed the character of the other or the latter might be raised by excellent health to that of the former. The difference was in the keynote, not in the melody. It follows from what has been said concerning the similar dispositions of the twins, the similarity in the association of their ideas, of their special ailments, and of their illnesses generally, that the resemblances are not superficial, but extremely intimate. I have only two cases of a strong bodily resemblance been accompanied by mental diversity, and one case only of the converse kind, it must be remembered that the conditions which govern extreme likeness between twins are not the same as those between ordinary brothers and sisters, and that it would be incorrect to conclude from what has just been said about the twins that mental and bodily likeness 
are invariably co-coordinate, such being by no means the case. We are now in a position to understand that the phrase close similarity is no exaggeration, and to realise the value of the evidence I am about to adduce. Here are 35 cases of twins who were closely alike in body and mind when they were young, and who have been reared exactly alike up to their early manhood and womanhood. Since then the conditions of their lives have changed. What change of nurture has produced the most variation? It was with no little interest that I searched the records of 35 cases for the answer, and they gave an answer that was not altogether direct, but it was distinct, and not at all what I had expected. They showed me that in some cases the resemblance of body and mind had continued unaltered up to old age, notwithstanding very different conditions of life, and they showed in the other cases that the parents ascribed such dissimilarity as there was, wholly or almost wholly, to some form of illness. In four cases it was scarlet fever, in a fifth typhus, in a sixth a slight effect was ascribed to a nervous fever, in a seventh it was the effect of an Indian climate, in the eighth an illness unnamed of nine months duration, in a ninth varicose veins, in a tenth a bad fracture of the leg, which prevented all active exercise afterwards, and there were three additional instances of undefined forms of ill health. It will be sufficient to quote one of the returns in this the father writes at birth they were exactly alike except that one was born with a bad varicose affection the effect of which had been to prevent any violent exercise such as dancing or running and as she has grown older to make her more serious and thoughtful had it not been for this infirmity i think the two would have been as exactly alike as it is possible for two women to be both mentally and physically even now they are constantly mistaken for one another in only a very few cases is some allusion made to the dissimilarity being partially due to the combined action of many small influences, and in none of the 35 cases is it largely, much less wholly, ascribed to that case. In not a single instance have I met with a word about the growing dissimilarity being due to the action of the firm free will of one or both the twins, which had triumphed over natural tendencies, and yet a large proportion of my correspondents happen to be clergymen, whose bent of mind is opposed, as I feel assured from the tone of their letters, to a necessitarian view of life. It has been remarked that a growing diversity between twins may be ascribed to the tired development of naturally diverse qualities, but we have a right, upon the evidence I have received, to go farther than this. We have seen that a few twins retain their close resemblance throughout life. In other words, instances do exist of an apparently thorough similarity of nature, in which such differences of external circumstances as may be consistent with the ordinary conditions of the same social rank and country do not create dissimilarity. Positive evidence such as this cannot be outweighed by any amount of negative evidence. Therefore, in those cases where there is a growing diversity and where no external cause can be assigned either by the twins themselves or by the family, for it, as we may feel sure that it must be chiefly or altogether due to a want, a thorough dissimilarity in their nature. Nay, further in some cases it is distinctly affirmed that the growing dissimilarity can be accounted for in no other way we may therefore broadly conclude that the only circumstance within the range of those by which persons of similar conditions of life are affected that is capable of producing a marked effect on the character of adults is illness or some accident which causes physical infirmity the twins who closely resembled each other in childhood and early youth and were reared under not very dissimilar conditions either grow unlike through the development of natural characteristics which had lain dormant at first, or else they continue their lives, keeping time like two watches, hardly to be thrown out of accord except by some physical jar. Nature is far stronger than nurture, 
within the limited range that I have been careful to assign to the latter. The effect of illness, as shown by these replies, is great, and well deserves further consideration. It appears that the constitution of youth is not so elastic as we are apt to think, but that an attack, say of scarlet fever, leaves a permanent mark, easily to be measured by the present method of comparison. This recalls an impression made strongly on my mind several years ago by the sight of some curves drawn by a mathematical friend. He took monthly measurements of the circumference of his children's heads during the first few years of their lives, and he laid down the successive measurements on the successive lines of a piece of ruled paper, by taking the edge of the paper as a base. He then joined the free ends of the lines, and so obtained a curve of growth. The curves had, on the whole, that regularity of sweep that might have been expected, but each of them showed occasional halts, like the landing places on a long flight of stairs. The development had been arrested by something, and was not made up for by aftergrowth. Now, in the same piece of paper, my friend had also registered the various infantine illnesses of the children, and corresponding to each illness was one of these halts. There remained no doubt in my mind that, if these illnesses had been warded off, the development of the children would have been increased by almost the precise amount lost in these halts. In other words, the disease had drawn largely upon the capital and not only on the income of their constitutions. I hope these remarks may induce some men of science to repeat similar experiments on their children of the future. They may compress two years of a child's history on one side of a ruled half-sheet of full-scape paper. If they cause each successive line to stand for success in month, beginning from the birth of the child, if they economise space by laying not the zero-inch division of the tape against the end of the pages, but say the ten-inch division. The steady and pitiless march of the hidden weaknesses in our constitutions through illness and death is painfully revealed by these histories of twins. We are too apt to look upon the illness and death as capricious events, and there are some who ascribe them to the direct effect of supernatural interference, whereas the fact of the maladies of two twins being continually alike shows that illness and death are necessary incidents in a regular sequence of constitutional changes beginning at birth and upon the external circumstances have on the whole very small effect in cases where the maladies of the twins are continually alike the clocks of their two lives move regularly on at the same rate governed by their internal mechanism when the hands approach the hour there are sudden clicks followed by a whirring of wheels the moment they touch it the strokes fall the necessitarians may derive new arguments from their life histories of twins we will now consider the converse side of our subject which appears to me even the more important of the two hitherto we have investigated cases where the similarity at first was close but afterwards became less now we will examine those in which there was great dissimilarity at first and will see how far an identity of nurture in childhood and youth tended to assimilate them as has been already mentioned, there is a large proportion of cases of sharply contrasted characteristics, both of body and mind, among twins. I have twenty such cases, given in much detail. It is a fact that extreme dissimilarity, such as existed between Esau and Jacob, is a no less marked peculiarity in twins of the same sex than extreme similarity. On the curious point, and on not much else in the history of twins, I have many remarks to make, but this is not the place to make them. The evidence given by the twenty cases above mentioned is absolutely accordant, so that the character of the whole may be exactly conveyed by a few questions. 1. One parent says, They have had exactly the same nurture from their birth up to the present time. They are both perfectly healthy and strong, yet they are otherwise as dissimilar as two boys could be, physically, mentally, and in their emotional nature. 2. 
I can answer most decidedly that the twins have been perfectly dissimilar in character, habits, and likeness from the moment of their birth to the present time, though they were nursed by the same woman, went to school together, and were never separated till the age of fifteen. 3. They have never been separated, never the least differently treated in food, clothing, or education, both teeth at the same time, both had measles, whooping cough, and scarlatina at the same time, and neither had had any other serious illness. Both are and have been exceedingly healthy and have good abilities, yet they differ as much from each other in mental caste as any one of my family differs from another. 4. Very dissimilar in body and mind. The one is quiet, retiring, and slow but sure, good-tempered, but disposed to be sulky when provoked. The other is quick, vivacious, forward, arguing easily and forgetting soon, quick-tempered and choleric, but quickly forgiving and forgetting. They have been educated together and never separated. 5. They were never alike either in body or mind, and their dissimilarity increases daily. The external influences have been identical. They have never been separated. 6. The two sisters are very different in ability and disposition. The one is retiring, but firm and determined. She has no taste for musical drawing. The other is of an active, excitable temperament. She displays an unusual amount of quickness and talent, and is passionately fond of music and drawing. From, inf from infancy they have been rarely separated, even at school, and as children visiting their friends they always went together. 7. They have been treated exactly alike. Both were brought up by hand. They have been under the same nurse and governess from their birth, and they are very fond of each other. Their increasing dissimilarity must be ascribed to a natural difference of mind and character, as there has been nothing in their treatment to account for it. 8. They are as different as possible. A minute and unsparing analysis of the characters of the two twins is given by their father, most instructive to read, but impossible to publish without the certainty of wounding the feelings of one of the twins, if these pages should chance to fall under his eyes. They were brought up entirely by hand, that is, on cow's milk, and treated by one nurse in precisely the same manner. 9. The home training and influence were precisely the same, and therefore I consider the dissimilarity to be accounted for almost entirely by innate disposition and by causes of which we have no control. 10. The case is, I should think, somewhat remarkable for dissimilarity in physique, as well as for strong contrast in character. They have been unlike in body and mind throughout their lives. Both were reared in a country house, and both were at the same school till estimate 16. 11 singularly unlike in body and mind from babyhood in looks disposition and tastes they are in looks dispositions and tastes they are quite different i think i may say the dissimilarity was innate and developed more by time than circumstance twelve we were never in the least degree alike i should say my sisters and my own character diametrically opposed and have been utterly different from our birth though a very strong affection subsists between us thirteen the father remarks they were curiously different in body and mind from birth. The surviving twin, a senior wrangler of Cambridge, adds a fact struck all our school contemporaries that my brother and I were complimentary, so to speak, in point of ability and disposition. He was contemplative, poetical, and literary to a remarkable degree, showing great power in that line. I was practical, mathematical, and linguistic. Between us we should have made a very decent sort of man. I could quote others just as strong as these, and some of which the above phrase complimentary also appears, while I have not a single case in which my correspondents speak of originally dissimilar characters having become assimilated through identity of nurture.
however a somewhat exaggerated estimate of dissimilarity may be due to the tendency of relatives to dwell unconsciously on distinctive peculiarities and to disregard the far more numerous points of likeness that would first attract the notice of a stranger thus in case eleven i find the remark strangers see a strong likeness between them but none who knows them well can perceive it instances are common of slight acquaintances make mistaking members and especially daughters of a family for one another between whom intimate friends can barely discover a resemblance still making reasonable allowance for unintentional exaggeration the impression that all this evidence leaves on the mind is one of the same wonder whether nurture can do anything at all beyond giving instruction and professional training it emphatically corroborates and goes far beyond the conclusions to which we had already been driven by the cases of similarity in those the causes of divergence began to act about the period of adult life when their characters had become somewhat fixed but here the causes conductive to assimilation begin to act from the earliest moment of the existence of the twins when the disposition was most pliant and they were continuous until the period of adult life there is no escape from the conclusion that nature prevails enormously over nurture when the differences of nurture do not exceed what is commonly to be found among persons of the same rank of society and in the same country my fear is that my evidence may seem to prove too much and be discredited on that account as it appears contrary to all experience that nurture should go for so little but experience is often fallacious in ascribing great effects to trifling circumstances many a person has amused himself with throwing bits of stick into a tiny book and watching their progress how they are arrested first by one chance obstacle then by another and again how their onward course is facilitated by a combination of circumstances he might ascribe much importance to each of these events and think how largely the destiny of the stick had been governed by a series of trifling accidents nevertheless all the sticks succeed in passing down the current in the long run they travel at nearly the same rate so it is with life in respect to several accidents which seem to have had a great effect upon our careers the one element that varies in different individuals but its constant in each of them is the natural tendency it corresponds to the current in the stream and inevitably asserts itself much stress is laid on the persistence of moral impressions made in childhood and the conclusions is drawn that the effects of early teaching must be important in a corresponding degree i acknowledge the fact so far as has been explained in the chapter on early sentiments but there is a considerable set-off on the other side those teachings that conform to the natural aptitudes of the child leave much more enduring marks than others now both the teachings and the natural aptitudes of the child are usually derived from its parents they are able to understand the ways of one another more intimately than is possible to persons not of the same blood and the child instinctively assimilates the habits and ways of thought of its parents his disposition is educated by them in the true sense of the word that is to say it is a vote not formed by them on these grounds i ascribe the persistence of many habits that date from early home education to the peculiarities of the instructors rather than to the period when the instruction was given the marks left on the memory by the instructions of a foster mother are soon sponged clean away consider the history of the cuckoo which is reared exclusively by foster mothers it is probable that nearly every young cuckoo during a series of many hundred generations has been brought up in a family whose language is a chirp and a twitter but the cuckoo cannot or will not adopt that language or any other of the habits of its foster parents it leaves its birthplace as soon as it is able and finds out its own kith and kin and identifies itself henceforth with them 
so utterly are the earliest instructions in an alien bird language neglected and so completely is its new education successful that the note of the cuckoo tribe is singularly correct end of chapter twenty nine end of section eight